Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Brian Pallas about the evolution of people management. Brian Pallas, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Jonathan, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. It is truly a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited to have this conversation. You're joining us from Barcelona, Spain. I am here south of Salt Lake City in Utah. So a little bit of a time difference uh, for us, morning for me, evening for you. Uh, I always love having uh, a nice international flavor on the podcast, uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise, your experience uh, with my listeners today. Today, we're going to be focusing on really a range of organizational leadership and HR types of issues that you experience in your organization. You're the founder of Opportunity Network, and I'll give you a chance to describe that a little bit here in a moment. Um, and, and so, you know, of course, you 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 do some cool things through your organization. We can talk a little bit about that, but also you have a team just like any other organization that you have to deal with the people management issues. So we'll explore those things together as well. As we get started, I wanted to share Brian's bio with everybody. Brian Palas is an Italian entrepreneur, CEO, and founder of Opportunity Network, the largest business matching network for highly vetted CEOs and private investors worldwide. Brian holds a BS in business management and an MS in economics, graduating with honors from Catholic University of Milan. Before founding Opportunity Network, Brian worked at the Boston Consulting Group, where he gained experience in private equity and investment banking. And really, that's just a small snippet. I could go on and on and on and sharing all of the great accomplishments and things that you've done in your career. Anything else you would like to focus on and share with uh, listeners in, by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the topic for today? No, I think you've made a good summary. And at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm really here to talk about my experience as a CEO at Opportunity Network. It's a company I had the pleasure of starting seven years ago just out of Columbia Business School when I finished my MBA there. And uh, uh, it really uh, kept me occupied for the last uh, seven years and hopefully for the 70 to come. And uh, um, the uh, main concept of Opportunity Network, it's a very simple one. Uh, we are today the biggest community of CEOs and the business owners on the planet. Um, and uh, we enable them to do business with one another, leveraging our platform. So. Um, whenever they need to do any type of transaction, be that commercial or be that financial, that requires as a counterpart another CEO, another business owner, then Opportunity Network is the platform they can use. And uh, through the platform, we've seen uh, um, $450 billion worth of uh, um, transaction flow in just seven years. 
yeah, that's incredible. Uh, great accomplishments in a very short period of time. So congratulations on that. And obviously a very important service that, that uh, your organization provides as well. So thank you for that background, that context. Uh, now let's, let's dive on in a little bit more to talk about uh, some of the people management and leadership types of issues and challenges uh, that you face on a regular basis uh, with the Opportunity Network. Uh, maybe we can start uh, with really kind of your your philosophy around people management generally, and what your your general approach is, and how you see HR people management uh, evolving in the next few years. Sure. So, um, from a people management standpoint, there are a few uh, concepts that I will always go back to. Um, first of all, um, we want to have people. Uh, that truly believe in the purpose of our company. Uh, we, we are here trying to make a very big difference, um, trying to provide equal access uh, to business opportunities to every reliable CEO on this planet. And uh, um, that has far-reaching implication way beyond the, what CEOs uh, um, and the companies are, because every time a CEO is able to find business counterparts, um, they're able to get their business to grow and they will generate jobs. Uh, our ultimate goal is to create 100 million jobs, to foster transparency, and to promote sustainable businesses. And uh, uh, we can do that in a way that is on a massive scale and quantifiable. And so um, whenever we attract talent, whenever we want people to come on board, we always look for people that will truly believe deep in their heart that they are doing something that will have a major impact in the world and uh, uh, they want to stick around with us, not just for the salary, not just for the growth, not just for all the obvious opportunities, but because they deeply believe in, in what we believe. And so starting from there, um, at that point, it's much easier to, to lead people because you know we're all going in the same direction. And uh, the moment you know that everyone is aligned and everyone has the same shared common goal to pursue, then um, the best uh, approach to adopt is extreme transparency. Um, there are no secrets in our company. Um, and when I say no secrets, um, it means our management team knows as much as I know, and the entire company has access to what normally the management team of a company would have access to. Um, every single employee of our company owns a piece of the business after one year in the company. And uh, the moment they own a piece of the business is shares that is completely undistinguishable from the one bought from an investor. So sweat is exactly on the same level as capital. And the consequence of that is any report we send out to investors, any document that we use to raise capital that is available to all of our employees, which is an amount of transparency that usually companies wouldn't give within uh, an organization. But we truly believe uh, in transparency as um, a way to enable and empower the organization to make the right decision, even without having to uh, come up and ask. We believe that um, if you employ smart people and you give them access to the same information and they are going toward the same goal, they would make the same decision or decisions that are even better than the one that we would make um, in their own areas. So that is sort of a guiding principle of uh, how we lead yeah. people. I, I love all of that. I, I, I love the shared ownership piece. Um, I love 
doing work that has meaning and value and purpose, not just profits. Profits are important. Organizations aren't going to exist without profits. Um, but uh, to get beyond just earning money and getting to a more transcendent purpose that provides meaning and fulfillment to people. And everyone wants, I mean, the research is pretty clear. Most people are really driven and motivated by an opportunity to make a difference in the world. And, and so having a vision, um, a purpose in the organization and alignment between your team, your people, and what, you know, that mission and purpose is, that's going to uh, bring, that's going to translate into a lot of, of organizational commitment, engagement, uh, satisfaction, meaning, purpose, fulfillment, of course, and that's going to drive innovation and productivity and all these other really positive outcomes that are going to, lo and behold, help the organization make more money too. And yep, so I, absolutely. I, yeah, so I think all of all of those principles that you just described are important. I also really like transparency, the role of transparency. Uh, we live in a digital age where uh, the, the, I feel like it's a really old notion, uh, this idea that you have siloed information, you have only the executive team, the C-suite has access to certain information. You know, we live in the internet age, we live in the, the age of disruptive technologies and information is readily available. We need to adopt more open and transparent practices within our organizations. And if we don't, it's inevitably going to lead to mistrust, uh, and, and frustration and angst amongst your employees. So even if you're not hiding anything in this day and age, if you're not openly transparent with everything, people will assume that you're hiding something that you're trying to, you know, you're doing things you're not supposed to do or whatever. So we just need to learn to be more open and transparent. And from that standpoint, we, um, we really believe that it's not just enough to relay the information It's not just enough to convey a purpose. I believe that um, CEOs in, 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 in my generation, I'm a millennial myself, um, are people that will need that, not just to motivate on their own, but they're not able to convey a purpose they don't believe in. So um, here is the point. It's not just about conveying a purpose or relaying information, is truly believing in the purpose that you build the organization around and get the entire organization to share that thought and share that feeling, share that goal. And uh, it's also um, knowing that giving access to people to information will make them able to better access um, the, uh, the rest of the company, make better decision, be bring better result. And if there is something that you're scared of saying, then maybe that's the first thing that you should always say, because at the end of the day, if someone has to leave because of it, they are not the right fit for your organization in the first place. Um, what we really want to do is to build toward a purpose. And as long as everyone is aligned on the purpose, there can't be secrets. Uh, we believe that the biggest skill of a manager are transparency and reliability, which in more common words mean um, that what you say is what you do and what you think is what you say. So there is basically no filter between thinking something and making that happen. Um, and that's to me the, the best manager. Yeah. And, and what I think of when I hear you describing that is essentially you, you value accountability and trust amongst your people. Uh, and you can't have that unless you have openness and transparency, unless you 
are openly communicating with people. Uh, and if if you're playing political games and you, you're you have a secret strategy in, that you talk about in the boardroom or in the C-suite, and then you have a different message you convey to your people um, and you're disingenuous, all of that kind of stuff that is toxic in the modern organization, and it's going to undermine trust and it's going to undermine this notion of mutual accountability. It's not just employees being accountable to management. It goes the other way too. And I think that that is a shift that that uh, some people are struggling to make. The management, exec, the executive team, senior leaders, they're also accountable to the line workers, to everyone in the organization. And a lot of times what you see are those who are in the, these senior executive types of positions, like the rules don't apply to them. There's kind of one set of rules for them. And then there's another set of rules for everyone else. And that is toxic. That ends up creating an unhealthy culture. Um, and, and people notice like the regular employees, lower level employees, line level employees, they notice that inequity and it, it undermines trust. It undermines the ability to, to further the purpose and the mission of the organization. So that's the kind of stuff we got to knock out. Uh, and we, we just got to be more consistent. Like you said, we got to do what we say. We got to, um, you know, say what we actually think and stop playing games with all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And sometimes it's going to be tough to do it. A um, bunch of years ago, we were in a tough moment and uh, we were running uh, short on cash. That was uh, toward the beginning. Uh, but still, we had several dozen people uh, with us. And the first thing we've done, we started including in our reports um, the cash balance. And people would see four months left of cash, three months left of cash, two months left of cash, one and a half. But still, that was visible to everyone. And if anything, let everyone to fight three times as hard, knowing that every day mattered. And yes, there were a few people that got scared and jumped ship. And you know what? We replaced them with people that didn't got so scared and really believed in the purpose and didn't give up. And in the end, we came out of that stronger um, than we would otherwise. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Well, right, and, and I think that demonstrates a level of trust and security amongst the leadership team, because a lot of times 
there, there's a real fear, there's an insecurity uh, that leaders have that if they are, if they're open about those sorts of things, um, that, you know, they're admitting their failures, their faults, and that uh, that's going to undermine their power, their authority, um, their influence with the people uh, that they lead. And I think, I mean, I suppose that can happen, but more often than not, um, your people aren't stupid. They understand, they see that there's something brewing, something's happening, something uh, is not right. Uh, and if leaders are just quiet about it and they hide it, uh, and inevitably the people on your team are going to make assumptions about and try to understand and explain what they're seeing, what they're experiencing. And a lot of times it's going to be worse than the actual situation. So just be open with them, talk about it. Collectively, you can uh, start to tackle the problem and try to come up with solutions. And who is better to come up with good solutions than the people who are interfacing with your customers every day, the people who are the line level employees um, you know, that work directly with the, the product or service that you're providing as an organization. So lean on the expertise of your people, give them an opportunity to, to have a voice and to have a, uh, to contribute to the, the, the success and the challenges of the organization to be able to, to, to resolve the challenges of the organization. And when you do that, you might be surprised on what they can come up with and how they can help you resolve the types of issues that you're having. But if nothing else, it'll reinforce the trust uh, that you have amongst your team, because uh, people will know that you're you're vulnerable. They'll know that you're authentic as a leader, and that gives them permission to be vulnerable and authentic. That gives them they they recognize you're not hiding anything, uh, and that you you have their best interest in mind, and that you're trying to work towards a solution. Uh, that's not a burden that a leader needs to bear alone. That's not a burden that this, the executives in the C-suite needs to bear alone. They need to to allow others throughout the organization to also contribute to the solution. Fully agree with that. And uh, um, many of our leaders are actually almost all of our leaders are people that um, were starting from the bottom and came up through the ranks of the company and now are part of the management team. And uh, they stayed with us for a while. Um, so um, there is not a, a tenure or a seniority or a certain age or requirement is just the people that come in and day in and day out fight um, to make things happen and succeed in daily challenges that get ready to um, help their peers and they start naturally get recognized as leaders and then they make their way up the ladder. I mean, that's really great to hear. And in large part, I imagine that is, is a, a big piece of the formula of your success at the Opportunity Network. Uh, I'm, so I'm curious what you see as kind of the evolving, you, you've given some of these principles and values that are important at your organization. Uh, I suspect that you would see these as important, not just now, but in the future. But what, how do you see the landscape around people management uh, and really kind of the world of work shifting and evolving in the next few years? Sure. So this is something that has been said many times. We're not in the first or second industrial revolution anymore, where it's all about assets and it's all about uh, uh, factories and so on. The biggest asset of our company are our people. And uh, um, it's, it's not just have them or, or not have them is how motivated they are and, and how hard they want to fight to achieve the results. So 
um, again, believing in transparency and, and believing in accountability. For instance, every three months, uh, we send out a survey uh, to the entire company. And it's not like the 20 uh, question survey where you can beat around the bush and say, maybe it's three questions. And uh, um, basically it's yes or no questions. And uh, question number one is basically, do you believe in our purpose? Which is, do you believe Opportunity Network will grow to become a major force um, growing the global economy? Yes or no? And there is no other possible answer. And then there is a field for comments and it's fully anonymous. Um, the second question is, um, do you believe that everyone at the company is doing their best to live according to the values that we picked for ourselves? And basically is how much do you like your colleagues? And uh, the question number three is the, um, NPS score, um, would you recommend uh, this company to your best friend um, as employee and client and supplier? Yes or no, with a comment field. And so um, the survey is completely anonymous. We send it out every um, three months and uh, um, anyone that doesn't respond is counted as no, no, and no. So it's kind of a, a high bar because uh, it's, it's easy to get a good result if you have 20 people answering, right? So um, what we achieved is 11 quarters in a row, 100% um, of the people responded. Not a single person failed to respond to the survey in 11 quarters. So it's almost three years. And uh, um, the average um, uh, score in terms of yes is 94, 95% of people saying yes. And we get inundated by comments, sometimes just um, giving us compliments and telling us to, to keep up the, the, the job, but more often telling us, yes, and there is this thing that can be improved. Yes, and there is this thing that can be done differently. Or no, because um, these and these should be better. And that's actually something that um, it's incredibly useful for us as a management team to go and, and improve things. But it's also um, giving a lot of transparency because uh, everything is anonymous. But we read um, in, in our monthly town hall um, every comment that appeared more than once, uh, meaning if you have at least two people believing something, we'll read it no matter what it is. So um, we, we believe that's also a very good uh, um, tool to make sure that people feel listened and not just feel listened, but are truly listened and we are held accountable for that. Yeah, I really, I really love that. I, the, kind of the more the pulse survey kind of an approach. Uh, for rapid feedback, as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the kind of the annual engagement survey, the lengthy survey that organizations often do, you know, it's big, it's long, they don't always get a great response rate. And then it takes months before, you know, they end up doing anything with the information, they talk about it in the executive team, it slowly might filter its way down. Um, and if they do anything with it, it usually is, you know, four to six months out from when the employees actually took the survey. Uh, and so it, there's just two, it, there's just a disconnect there, right? Yeah. And, so and it's also probably six months after the employee, the employee felt a problem because it's annual. Exactly. So yeah, you're and, talking about a year delay and someone has long left or, yep, you know, yep. very hard to get someone back at, at that stage if you've been demotivated for a year. 
Yeah, absolutely. So having these regular opportunities to connect a regular cadence with your people, regular feedback, and where people where your people feel like you're actually going to do something with the information, because you have a track record of responding to the feedback that you receive, that goes a really, really long way. Again, with this mutual accountability, this trust that we're trying to achieve within our team within our organization. And, and I completely agree. I think we're like you said, we're in the throes of the fourth industri- the fourth wave of the industrial revolution. Um, there's there's tremendous technological disruption that we see that's reshaping the way organizations function, the very nature of work itself. Uh, if it's if it's I, I believe it's always been the case that people are the greatest asset of the organization. But I think we're seeing now in in this knowledge economy, this high tech economy, um, that more than ever. Um, we have robotics, we have AI, machine learning, all those things are important. They're going to help us do what we do better. Um, but it's the people who drive the innovation. It's the people who, who are the creative individuals that create a great employee and customer experience that's going to help the organization succeed. And so we have to remember that we have to invest in our people. Yeah. And even the sourcing of the people, the, the recruiting side, um, I believe it's a place that will evolve hugely. Um, in uh, in the labor market of tomorrow, it's getting harder to find talent, and uh, people are not um, working physically at the office um, in most cases. So that means that uh, the work for talent is becoming global, and companies will have a much larger pool of candidates. But the competition will be far fiercer, and it becomes more about finding the perfect fit for your organization rather than just filling the job. And so. Um, if you look back to the 80s, you had another um, uh, function in the company that used to be very kind of uh, creative and uh, uh, considered a soft uh, unit that was marketing. Marketing in the 80s is, I feel next year is going to be purple and sharks. And then a year later, you would know whether that was uh, right or wrong, right? So I believe that um, the, the recruiting side and the people management side are still in the 80s uh, in to many extent in, in the way they're managed uh, in most companies. Uh, there are, of course, notable exceptions, but by and large, you have recruiting manager, they get a bunch of resume, they sift through them, see which one they like, bunch of people get called for an interview, four or five people have conversation with them that are entirely disconnected from one another, asking the same questions and not making sure that everything that needs to be checked is checked. And basically the main question you're answering is, how much do I like this guy? And uh, um, based on that question, you're hiring someone that may or may not be the perfect fit for um, the organization and the job you need them to do. Um, I believe that that is an era that will come to an end. I believe that um, the same way marketing today, it's all about um, uh, processes and numbers and automations and uh, um, analytical rigor. Tomorrow that will happen to um, the people department. And I don't think that's bad. I, it may sound cold, it may sound kind of uh, um, less human, but on the other side, I think it's actually better because we're not talking about buying leads on, on some social media platform, we're talking about people. And uh, uh, the more you can cater to the perfect people to join your organization, the higher satisfaction they will have in their kind of uh, day-to-day work and, and, and lifelong uh, professional career. And uh, the more you know that you're gonna be the good fit for them um, in terms of uh, making them feel fulfilled. So the more you can leverage modern um, tools and data into something that is less of an art and more of a science, 
um, the better off people will be. Amen to everything you just said. Brian, it has just been a real pleasure. I appreciate all of your insights. Uh, the time has flown by. We're at the end of our time together today. Before we close, though, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your organization, your team, uh, and then we'll wrap up. With pleasure. So uh, easiest way to reach me, just uh, um, go on LinkedIn, add, um, add me on LinkedIn, Brian Pallas, B-R-A-I-N-P-A-L-L-A-S, Brian Pallas and uh, shoot me a message. I always respond. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brian. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Brian and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.